What's up, guys? Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll be a part of that. My favorite Thanksgiving dish is not at Thanksgiving. It's afterwards when I get to make the turkey sandwich yes. on white bread. I know it's not good for you, but I don't care. It's got to stick to the roof of your mouth, and only white bread does that. And so you get the salt, the pepper. It's just good. It's good. Uh, if you notice, um, <clears throat> my voice is a little bit raspy. The fun thing about having kids is you never know what virus you're going to get. And so uh, I had one last week, and so I got a little bit of raspy voice, but it's going to be okay. Um, so uh, this is going to be a weird start. You're going to wonder where I'm going. But um, I've always found that it's, uh, it's incredibly interesting um, what people put in their bathrooms um, to mask the smell of what happens in a bathroom. And the reason I say that is because none of it works, right? Like, it's called, like, meadow rain. And, like, you spray meadow rain afterwards, and it just smells like you took a dump in a meadow rain. Like, <clears throat> it's not good. None of it ever masks anything. It just, it's bad and good together, and, and it doesn't hide anything. Well, my family, we were different. For some, I don't know why, but it was, if you went to the bathroom, you had to light a match um, or, or light a candle. And I don't know why. Like, I don't know if the idea was the flame killed it or did something there. I don't know what it was. But the reason I say this was when I started lighting matches was when I found out that I had an inner pyro. Anybody else inner pyro? A little bit of you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I found that out because the first time I lit a match, like I watched it like go all the way down to my fingers and I was like, uh, this is dangerous. And I just kept lighting matches and lighting matches. Then after a while, I started lighting toilet paper on fire and like before it, I would throw it in the thing. And then I found this, and I feel like it's safe to tell you guys this. This is not the middle school crowd um, who would go home and do it and me get a lot of emails. Um, <clears throat> I used to take isopropyl alcohol and pour it in the bathtub and light it. And when you turn the light off, it's a blue flame. It's not really cool. Don't do it. Um, but it also, it burns really, really hot, and you can smell it. And my dad, when I did that one time, like busted into the bathroom, and he was like, what are you doing? And he got all mad and angry, like really like to a level that I thought was beyond like the blue flame. Like I'm like, that's, look, I understand yelling a little bit, but come on. And then he goes, how? You don't understand. He goes, you come from a long line of pyros. And I'm like, what? So I'm Hal the fourth. Hal the third, my dad burnt an entire field down. Hal the second burnt his parents' apartment down. And how the first burnt down, the OG burnt down an entire department store. <laughs> yeah. And so we now have how five in our house. And so I remember I took him out. I wanted to see if it was, the gene was there. And we, we had a bonfire and we made s'mores and he just stood there and stared at it. And I was like, oh gosh. And so I told him the same thing my dad did. He said, here's the deal. If you ever want to burn anything, this is not a normal conversation you have with a kid. If you ever want to burn anything, we will burn it. We can put it on the concrete and we can burn it and watch it go out. He's like, awesome. It's like, all right, here's why I'm saying that. Like everybody's got their thing, right? Every family's got their thing. Everybody's got the thing that seems to pass down from generation to generation. And what we're talking about tonight is something that everybody has dealt with. It's something that every Christian has dealt with, no matter what generation they're from, no matter where they're from. From the beginning of time, Christians have dealt with this problem. 
They've dealt with this coming back up over and over and over again. In the passage that we're going to look at tonight, Paul is basically telling that to the church in Corinth. He's telling them, hey, this is something that has happened from the beginning of time. This is something you must watch out for because this is something your ancestors dealt with. And you're probably wondering what we're talking about. Well, I asked Pastor Mark, I was like, hey, um, what should we talk about? Like, what is it you feel like the young adults need to talk about? And he goes, I want you to talk about idols. And really when we're talking about idols, what we're talking about is this, is what do you worship? Like, what is it that receives your worship? And in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we see Paul talking to the people, talking to the church in Corinth and going, hey, I need you to remember your ancestors because I don't want you to do the same things they did. In 1 Corinthians 10, 1 to 14, he says this. He says, I don't want you to forget. Another verse actually says, another way it says, it says, I don't want you to be ignorant. And we get, we get offended when somebody calls us ignorant. Ignorant doesn't mean dumb. Ignorant just means you don't know. And you don't know what you don't know, or you've forgotten, or you've decided that doesn't matter anymore. And what we're talking about with idols is something that most Christians have thought about at some time, but go, this doesn't really apply to me now. It says, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago, he's talking about the Israelites. It says, all of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them and then walked through the sea on dry ground. He's talking about when the Israelites left Egypt, they walked through dry ground through the Red Sea, and then there was a cloud that literally guided them, that was God that would guide them during the day, and then a pillar of fire that would guard them at night. It says, in the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food. He's talking about manna that came down from heaven. And all of them drank the same spiritual water, for they drank for the spiritual rock that traveled with them. And that rock was Christ. He's talking to the fact that on two different occasions, uh, Moses basically got water to come out of a rock. One time he hit the rock with a stick, water came out. Another time he spoke to the rock and water came out. And the reason I'm telling you this is the Israelites were constantly around miracles constantly around miracles. They saw the plagues that happened in Egypt. They literally every morning manna came down from heaven that they ate every night. They had fowl that would come through that they would eat. God provided water in miraculous ways. But here's the problem. They has the same problem we do. Every time things got good, they forgot about God. Things would get good. They forget about God. They'd start to follow some other God, go after some other thing, chase something else. Things would get bad. They'd realize this is bad. They'd start falling after God again, and then things would get good again. And they'd go through this same cycle over and over again. And it says in verse five, it says, yet, yet God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. These things happen as a warning to us so they would not crave evil things as they did or worship idols as some of them did. As the scriptures say, the people celebrated with feasting and drinking. They indulged in every pagan revelry. This is like the Israelite people were following after a miracle of God, but every time a new civilization would come by, they would literally adopt their gods. I mean, the craziest thing that happened and my, my idea is Moses goes up to, on top of the mountain to get the Ten Commandments. He's getting the Ten Commandments. And by the time he comes back down, they had already built a massive calf out of gold and another God to worship. Like that's how quick it happened for them. Like the leader left for a couple days, they're like, we'll worship this other person. And so they're constantly finding these other gods to go after. And it says, and we must not engage in sexual immorality as some of them did, causing 23,000 of them to die in one day, nor should we put Christ to the test as some of them did and died from snake bites. And don't grumble as some of them did and they were destroyed by the angel of death. He's talking about the last plague in Egypt. It says, these things happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. If you were think you were standing strong, be careful not to fall. You've heard that verse many times. The moment you think you can't deal, you're, no temptation's coming your way is the moment you're going to fall. He says this, he goes, the temptations in your life are no different from what other 
experience. Your temptations aren't special. Everyone deals with them. That's one of the biggest things Satan loves to do is tell you that your temptations are special. They're not. Everybody else is dealing with it. But he says, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more that you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. So, and this is how he ends it. So my dear friends, flee from the worship of idols. It's a weird way to end because he says, hey, don't, don't be involved in sexual morality. Don't be involved in drunkenness, which are sins. And then he also says the way to deal with that is to flee from idols. And we're like, why would you, why would one sin be bigger than idol? Because we think idol worship, that's a sin. Drunkenness, that's a sin. Sexual immorality, that's a sin. Why would he say the answer to those sin is to flee from idols? And here's why. And here's what he's saying. He wants you to understand that the root of sin is idol worship. The root of all of our sin is idol worship. It's the moment we take our eyes off of God and look to something else to be our God is the moment we start to sin. In fact, when you look in the Ten Commandments, the first two are only worship God and don't have any other idols. And many pastors have said this, if you do those two things, the rest of the sins you don't have to worry about. But so many times what we do is this, is we pay too much attention to the sin. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like if we went up to a tree and it was producing bad fruit. And to make it produce better fruit, we would just take all the bad fruit off, hoping it would produce better fruit. That doesn't work, does it? You have to go to the root of the problem. In the same way, so many times in the Christian life, we are sinning in a certain way and we believe in our heart, okay, I just need to stop sinning. That's not the answer. The answer is not just to stop sinning. The answer is get to the root of why are you sinning? Why are we doing the things that we do? And basically what he's saying right here is the reason we do these things that are not right is we've changed our worship from God and we've put it to something else. And you gotta understand, we were created to worship. God created us. And then he created the world and the things in this world for us to enjoy as we worship God. The problem is along the way, instead of worshiping God, the creator, we started worshiping the creation that he gave us. We started going after those things and putting those things ahead of God. And suddenly, out of nowhere, instead of worshiping God, we're, we're worshiping another human. Instead of worshiping God, we're worshiping a, a sports team or a house or even our own body. And here's what's so tricky about idols is most of the time, the things that we choose to worship are not bad. They are good things, but we just choose to put them ahead of God. And here's the really hard part. It's really hard to see the idols in our own life. It's really easy to see it in other people's lives. It's really easy. We love to point them out. Like, man, I'm glad I don't have that idol. It's like, no, 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 you have one too. Or we look at other countries or we look at other religions and we go, oh, they definitely have idols, but we don't have that. I had a pastor friend that went to India and as he's going through India, huge Hindu influence. And he's going through and he sees tons of, of, of idols that are up. He sees tons of shrines. He sees people that are painted in certain ways for different festivals. You can see the Hindu influence and you can see the idolatry that's happening all around. And he's thinking to himself, how can someone be a Christian in a place with so many idols? And he goes up to the local pastor who is leading a small church that's just trying to reach that area. And he talks to the wife and he says, hey, have you ever been to America? And she says, yes, I've been to America, but I don't want to go back. He's like, really, why? She said, well, you guys have too many idols. He's like, really? She goes, yeah, when I went, all I could see was people worshiping their sports teams and worshiping their, their music artists, worshiping their sex life, their body, their stomach, their income, their job, their house, their car, their clothing. That's all I saw was you guys worshiping so many things. I like it better in India where we get to, get to choose to worship God. See, we can see it so easily in others. It's really hard to see it in ourselves, but we live in a city full of idols, don't we? 
I mean, the bucks right now, they're actually good now. So all of a sudden people are like, there's an idol. What about the sex industry? Tampa is one of the biggest sex industries in the world. The amount of strip clubs and brothels that we have, like it's absolutely there or entertainment. There's so many things. And when we look at it, we go, oh, this makes sense. And just understand this. Not all idolatry is bad. And many times the idolatry is something, is the pursuit of something that is good, but it's not God. So when I talk about your idols, I don't want you to think I'm saying all these things are bad. Many of them are. But I don't want you to think all of these things are bad. It's just when we choose to put it in front of God. Like it's good to get married. It's good to buy a house. It's good to get a pet. It's good to eat. It's good to watch sports. It's good to finish school. It's good to do all of these things, but we just don't want them to become God. So how do we form idols? It's really interesting how we form idols. Here's what it comes out to. We start off with this idea of what our quote unquote little hell is on this earth. And here's what I mean by that. You ever heard somebody say that would be my hell? Like we have this idea and there's this idea in our hearts that we have this idea of what would be hell to us. And for some people, their hell would be poor. Uh, that, that would be my hell is if I was poor or my hell would be if I was thought to be ugly or I would, my hell would be as I, if I was unloved or I wasn't appreciated. And when I decide what my hell is, then I look for what it is, that person or that thing that can save me from my hell. And once I find that thing that can save me from my hell, I start to worship it as a God. Let me give you an example. For example, I would say, there's probably some of you in this room, your hell is the idea of being single. Your hell is to go through the rest of your life and being unmarried. So what you do is you look for anyone that you can give yourself fully to, looking past all red flags, all problems, and worship them so that they can save you from your hell of singleness. Right? We, we've seen this. Or let me say it, let me take a step back and you're thinking this is the same thing and it's not. Maybe your hell is being lonely. And so what you do is you look for any friend group or any friend that will accept you. In order to be accepted, you do whatever they say. You allow them to run over you so that you will just be accepted by it. And some of you, you haven't had the ability to have a friend group accept you. So you've bought a lot of dogs or God forbid cats. And you've decided that they, I mean, we've seen it. You start to worship them. You spend all of your money on them and you get God awful t-shirts that say dog mom on them. You're not their mom. You did not birth them, nor do you have that ability. But you're lonely and you're afraid if you lose them or you lose that person, you will have your metaphorical hell so we put it ahead of God. And what I'm gonna do here in a moment is I, I'm gonna, I'll be honest with you, I'm probably gonna make many of you un, unhappy. Um, you're probably gonna be a little bit um, mad at me. Um, I'm gonna, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give you some questions that I want you to think about. And what these questions will do will help you figure out where your idols are in your life. And here's what I want you to pay attention to. Some questions you're gonna be like, ah, that doesn't matter to me. Some of the questions you're gonna be like, hey, that hits a little bit. Those are the questions to pay attention to. Those are the questions to think about. And here's why, I need you to understand this. When we decide to root out the idols in our life, that's when we actually deal with our sin problem. Because our problem is not a sin problem, it's a worship problem. It's that we're worshiping something other than God. So here's, here, there's gonna be several questions so you can just listen to these. Here's the first one. What are you most afraid of? 
I mean, this is the basic question. If you can actually answer this, if you can get to your inner heart and really decide what am I most afraid of, you will know exactly where your idol is. What are you most afraid of of not having? What are you most afraid of of not doing? What are you afraid of will not happen to you? Is it that you're scared of being alone or not loved? Maybe it's you're scared of being stuck in a job or in this city or never getting out of school. What is it that drives you? What is it that compels you? What is it that motivates you in life? Like, what is it that you're most afraid of? Or here's another question. What do you long for most passionately? What is it that you love to give yourself to the most? I mean, it can even be a hobby. It can be games. It can be an education. It can be your beauty. It can be your attractiveness. What is it that you long for most passionately? Here's a really good one. Where do you go for comfort? The fridge. <laughs> Food is absolutely can be a god. Do you run to alcohol? Do you run to drugs? Do you run to anger? Do you run to sex? Do you run to medicine? And look, I, I'm not saying there's not people that need medicine. Not at all. Please help understand that I'm not saying that. There's absolutely people that, get, that need medicine, but we are the most overly medicated country. And when you think about it, think about it. Think about all the drug companies. What are they actually saying to you? What are their commercials saying? Do you feel this way? Is this happening in your life? Is this your hell? Well, we have your savior. And like I said, not, there are many problems that absolutely need medicine, but there's many problems that medicine can't treat because they're not physical, they're spiritual. I mean, our entire economy is based off this fear, isn't it? Every product that you see, it's the idea like, hey, if you don't have this product, then you are living in a hell. You don't have enough. If you don't have this product, then you won't live your life to the fullest. You won't be able to do these things. I mean, think about it. And I said this earlier, we literally have something, an entire range of an area called comfort food. Like if you Google comfort food, there's recipes and what do we do when we feel bad, when we feel angry, when we feel sad, when we feel tired, we go to comfort food over and over again till you gain weight. And then no longer you in your emotional hell, you're in fat hell. <clears throat> and then you need to get your diet savior. And so you go on a diet and then you're in hunger hell. <laughs> and what I'm trying to get at is this, is whenever you reach your savior, you realize it's not good enough. You realize it doesn't satisfy. What do you go for for comfort? That should hit some of us. Here's, here's another one. What do you complain about the most? If you're always complaining about your family, always complaining about your boyfriend or girlfriend, always complaining about your boss and your friends are like, why don't you ever do something about it? Why don't you ever break up with them? Why don't you ever talk to them? Why don't you ever leave that job? Maybe it's because they're your savior. And you, what you really are craving is their affirmation or them changing. And instead of actually dealing with the problem, you just complain about it. Here's one, what angers you the most? If you're in traffic and someone cuts you off, do you yell at them and flick them off in the name of Jesus? You ever just erupted at somebody in a car and afterwards you're like, where did that come from? Well, it's easy. They... They stepped on your idol because your idol is respect and if somebody doesn't respect you they get your idol 
Maybe for some of you, it's, I want everyone to like me. And if someone doesn't like me or someone's mean to me, I just can't handle it. I have to make sure everyone likes me. And I can't stand it when somebody doesn't. How about this? What makes you happiness, happiest? Is it pleasure? Is it relationships? Not that those things are bad, but is it that you are constantly going after these things, spending all your time going after these things, devoting yourself to those things more than God? Believing that's actually what will bring you happiness instead of the joy that follows after him? Here's this, and let's be honest on this one. What's caused you to be angry at God? I'm not angry at God. Yeah, you are. We've all been angry at God for something. Because we have. We've all told God something. We've all said, God, I think you should give this to me. And he said no. And we're like, what? I thought that was your job. God's a really crappy genie. He doesn't follow through on the things that we think he ought to do. And many times, here's what we do. We choose an idol. We tell God we want that idol, and he doesn't give it to us, and we don't understand why. Here's the biggest reason. God's not in the business of replacing himself. He's not looking to give you that next thing. And for some of you, the reason he hasn't given you the thing you're praying for is because he knows the moment you get it, he will be replaced. And he's looking for relationship. Or maybe God's not giving you that idol because he knows it's not good for you. There's another question. What do you brag about? What do you always tell people about even though they didn't ask? Did you know I did this? Were we talking about that? I did this. I have this. I look like this. What do you want more than anything else? What do you want more than anything else? Righteousness, holiness, contentment, godliness, that's none of those you want to be beautiful you want to be rich you want a house you want a boyfriend you want a girlfriend you want a new boyfriend or a new girlfriend you want a bigger car bigger TV whatever that may be if I told you if you prayed for that thing for a hundred straight days God would definitely give it to you what would you pray for if you could change one thing in your life what would it be what would you wish for skinnier, attractive, smartier, wealthier. Finish college, get this job, whatever it may be. Whose approval are you seeking? Are you waiting for your dad or your mom to finally say that they're proud of you? And everything you do is based on getting that actual answer from them? Or maybe for your boss to actually tell you you're doing a good job and get a promotion? Is everything you're doing is so that your friends will actually compliment the way that you look? Whose approval is it that you're dying for, that you're longing for, that you can't wait to have? Because you're putting them in the God position. How's this one? What comfort do you treasure the most? If I, if I said you had to get rid of all your earthly possessions but one thing, what would you keep? If I told you you had to get rid of all your relationships in your life but that one relationship, what would it be? And I'm not saying that it's a God. I'm just saying those are the things that are more likely to be one. See, these are the questions that we we ask ourselves and you can take a picture of that. I'm sure we'll post that later, but these are the things that we should actually think about. These are the things that tonight you should sit in your room and as you're going to bed, you go, what what am I afraid of? What is it that I long for most passionately? What is it that I've put in my life that I've decided is a better God than the God that we serve? Like, what is it the hell that I've created? And really ask yourself, what is it that I think hell is? And if I know what I think hell is on this earth, then I'm looking for a savior to fulfill that hell. What savior am I going after that's not God? 
See, we tend to choose idols that will make us happy, give us self-worth, and make our life easier. I'm gonna tell you this story, and I'm a jerk, and I just wanted to say that off the bat. But my, my senior year, that my, my junior year summer, I'd been dating a girl at UF for about a year and a half. And we were going down that path, we were gonna get married, all of these things. And, and about a year and a half in, we decided to actually have real and hard conversations. This is why, guys, when I talk about dating and all that, you have the hard conversations up front because when you get a year and a half, two years, three years in, you go, I don't wanna give up. I've already put in this time when you find out the things that you're absolutely not compatible with. And so I knew that year, going into my senior year, I knew that God was calling me in the ministry. Well, she had wanderlust. She wanted to travel. She wanted to live in many different places. And so we were talking about this and this was a big argument. And here was my problem. Here was my idol. I didn't wanna leave college single. I didn't want to be a pastor who was single. Because it's really hard to date when you're a pastor. It's really hard to find that person. And also in the church world, you know, adults are really weird around you when you're a single pastor and you're ahead of their students in student ministry. And I'm like, I don't want to leave college a pastor. It's not like she was a bad person or like that, but she wanted to travel. And her thing was, hey, for the first five years, we'll travel. Then after that, we'll do ministry. And I was actually considering it. I was so afraid of being alone. I was so afraid of not having that marriage down. I'm like, okay, we'll do that. And then that summer, she actually did study abroad in Mexico. And while she was in Mexico, she called me up and broke up with me. And I was pissed. And I realized now more than ever why. She stepped on two of my idols. She stepped on my idol that I wanted to be married. And she stepped on my idol of pride that she broke up with me. And so the next year, I just and this is the part where I'm just a jerk. I just... I, I strung her along, I played with her emotions. I wanted her back and then didn't want her. And then basically, because I felt hurt, I wanted her to feel hurt. And I wasted an entire year of college. I hurt her. And here's the truth, she was the one that was actually man enough to do the right thing. I'll just say that. Because here, here's the, there's two types of sin. There's the sin of commission, which is something we actually do. And there's also the sin of omission. When we know what God's called us to do and we don't do it. It's like when we see somebody hurting and you feel that urge inside of you, you need to go help that person. When we don't do that, that's sin. I knew exactly what God was calling me to do, but I was willing to give that up for something that was simple, for something that was easy. See, that's why we talk about these things. Like, what's your idol? You gotta figure it out because it'll take you away from God faster than anything else. I was willing to give up five years of ministry just so I didn't have to search for somebody else. I think about it now, it's so dumb. I mean, she ended up, she went to Italy, she went to England, she went to Australia, she found a guy in England, they have a bunch of kids, they're living a great life. I found Chrissy, who's incredible in ministry, we do ministry together, it's awesome, it's great. No, if, here's what I'm saying. If I wouldn't have paid attention to these things, if she wouldn't have done, taken the first step, I would have taken the easy way out. I would have cared more about my personal hell and what God was calling me to. And not trusting him that he would be the one that would provide. See, the human heart is an idol factory. We constantly long for things. We constantly want to worship. If we're not constantly looking to God, we will get messed up. And these, what, what these idols do and what's, it, what's so wrong with it is they don't bless us. They don't satisfy us. So we turn to another idol after another idol 
again. And here's the true sickness that happens when we, when we truly look to idols instead of God. That idol is not about grace. It's not about love. It's not about a God who loves, adores you, and serves you. Not because you're perfect, because he wants to help you become better. Not because you are just lovely, because he wants to make you lovely. See, idolatry says if you were smarter, better, prettier, wealthier, stronger, then you would be truly happy. But it never happens. And inside of that, the worst idol inside of that is religion. See, that's such an awful idol because here's what religion is. It's if you stop doing these things and start doing these things, God will love you and he will accept you. God loves us and adores us and sacrifices us so he could have a relationship with us. But God, but idolatry says, no, 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 no. His sacrifice was good, but you have to sacrifice for him to love you. Idolatry says if you do the right things, God will love you more when Christianity says God can never love you more than he does right now. See, religion always puts you in one of two places, either pride or despair. Either you're really good at it and you hold it over everybody else, which makes you the worst kind of Christian, or you're in despair because you're not good at it and you end up giving up thinking God doesn't love you. See, what Jesus does, he not only saves us from hell, but he saves us from this treadmill of religion and even ourselves. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Some of you in this room are so incredibly tired. You're so tired of coming into this room and putting on a smiling face. You're so tired of going to small group and acting like everything is okay and trying to do everything right, but you're dying inside because you've chosen the idol of religion over God. And you're tired. So how do we defeat these idols? How do we get them out of our lives? Here's the first thing. We recognize that we naturally want to worship created things. This is just going, yes, this is what I naturally do. It's just the admitting thing. It's like the, it's like the first part of AA. Yes, I'm Hal and I'm alcoholic. Like, yes, I'm Hal and I like idols. Like, I'm gonna do it. I have idols, we all do. And here's why we have to do this. If we don't think we do that, we won't pay attention to it. So we go, yes, you know what? I worship creative things. And here's the second thing we have to do, which is even harder. You name your idol. You actually say it out loud. You figure out what it is. You look back at the questions that we talked about. You figure out what it is, you say it out loud, and you tell somebody else. Because when sin is out in the open, it loses its power. I know you're not in small groups, but you know people here. And the great conversation to have right now before 2022 is to go, hey, this is my idol. I need to work on it and I need your help because I constantly go after these things because I so badly want to be loved. I constantly put myself in the wrong relationships because I so badly want people to like me. I lie about every part of my life and I'm never truthful to anyone because I want to succeed at everything. I cheat and I hurt other people just to make it happen. See, we gotta get to the bottom of it if we want to deal with the sin. We go, you know what? In my mind, my idol is, I feel like I must get married this year or I must make this amount of money or I must do these things. So we name our idol. The third thing is we repent of our idol. In Old Testament times, they would literally take the idol and they would smash it. They wouldn't just take it and put it behind like a chair or hide it. They would smash it. And that's what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to go, that's my idol, but it's okay. I promise I won't worship you anymore. No, we repent from it. What does it mean to repent? We turn away from it. We walk away from it. We say, God, I'm sorry for doing this. And we walk the other way. We put God back where he's supposed to be. 
And here's the deal, not all idols are bad things. I've said this before. You could be dating somebody right now that's your idol and what you need to do is put them to the side and say, hey, I love you, but I need to focus on God more right now. And actually, your dating relationship, your marriage will be better if God's in first place and not them. Because they suck at being God. It's true. If I was my wife's God, I'm awful. I would go after what I want. If my wife was my God, she would be awful at it. Look, we, we need to figure out where those idols are. We need to move on past it. And here's the fourth thing. We need to replace your idol with God. Look, you, you can't just say, I'm gonna stop worshiping. We have to worship. We were made to worship. God created us that way. So we can't just go, I'm not gonna worship that anymore. I need to go, I'm not gonna worship that anymore because I'm going to worship God. I'm gonna spend time with God. I'm gonna read his word. I'm gonna find out what he says about me and what he says that I am. I'm gonna know his promises and the worth that he brings me. And once I know who I am and what my worth is, then I can actually enjoy everything God's created and not make it an idol. That's when I can date somebody healthy. That's when I can be in a school environment and not try to kill everybody along the way to being the best. It's when I can go after and go into the job market not thinking I have to make it in a year and if I don't, I'm a failure because I know what God's already said about me. So what do we do? When we sin, see sin in our lives, we don't go, all right, I just, I'm, I'm just gonna stop the sin. No, we go, I see sin in my life. There's something deeper. What's the root? What's the idol? What is it that I'm worshiping? We name it, we repent of it, and we replace it. I will be so honest with you. If you want 2022 to be different, which I know so many of you do, some of you have already said 2022 is gonna be different. I'm gonna live the life that I should be. I'm gonna go after God the way that I am. I'm gonna actually date the right way. I'm gonna actually do these things the right way. I'm gonna do this the right way. The number one thing you could do today is go, all right, where's my worship? And I need to put it back on God and bring somebody alongside for that journey. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for who you are. God, I thank you that you are a God that absolutely loves us and will absolutely continue to give us more and more chances. God, I thank you that you are such a forgiving God. God, I pray that we would look and find the idol in our life that is not bringing us what we need and replace it with you. God, I pray that we just be absolutely brutally honest. God, I pray that we would allow other people to speak into our lives and help show us the things that we aren't seeing right now. God, I just thank you that we get to serve a God who tells us how awesome we are, that tells us how loved we are and gives us our worth so that we can live the life that you've called us to live. God, we thank you for that. And I pray right now that every young adult in this room will truly look into their heart today and figure out what it is that they're chasing that is not you. God, we thank you. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen.